Good morning, Covenant Fellowship. We're so glad you're here with us this morning. If you will stand and sing, we're going to sing joy to the world this morning. That defines everything about God, does it not? God is love, we're told, and that's so true. So thank you for being here this morning. If you join us online, we're honored to have you with us. we got folks online there to be a blessing to you in any way they can. So uh, say hi, let us know how we can be a blessing. The bottom right-hand corner is a prayer tab. And uh, if we could be praying about anything specific, let us know. I assure you that's private, secure, only one source sees it. So it, uh, you don't have to worry about it being shared, but let us know how we can be a blessing. And, uh, but we're glad you're with us this morning. As you can see, there are a lot of folks out. And uh, starting yesterday afternoon and even early this morning, my phone was sounding like a ticker tape going off. And uh, sadly, there's a lot of folks that are hacking and coughing and this stuff that's going around. So be, uh, be safe uh, on who you're around. Uh, 
I told Jay, uh, Sam was sick. She said, no, she's just sick of you. And I'm trying to say, no, she's not just sick of me. And, uh, but uh, even Sam is, is sick, and it's hard to get her sick. But as many others, so if you see anybody that's not here, let them know you're praying for them and uh, see how you can be a blessing. Uh, the decorations, you can see we had a good turnout yesterday. Thank you for everybody that showed up to get the church clean and decorated. And uh, it's very, uh, very nice as it is. A uh, few announcements here. Let me get through these. Uh, on these first, uh, we have a Christmas party. will be this coming Saturday. Uh, that'll be Saturday the 9th, and it'll be at uh, 5 o'clock. And what we're just doing, we're bringing finger foods and desserts, Ashley said. So anything you'd like to bring, anything uh, like finger shape like brisket for me or anything like that would work but no just finger foods we're going to keep it very simple this year and uh, we'll have a great time of fellowship so uh, if you have any questions on maybe anything specific get with Ashley and uh, or Ben can might help you but Ashley and she'll guide you in that but that'll be this coming Saturday at five o'clock we'll have a great time fellowship we'll play the silly games we play and uh, laugh at each other and have a good time amen and then uh, the Christmas candlelight service, we'll be having a candlelight service. That's on December the 17th. That's also on a Saturday night. That'll be at 7 o'clock here in the sanctuary. So, uh, pardon me? Saturday the 16th or 17th? Uh, it would be, yeah, candlelight service. So that will be, it'll be Saturday the 17th. It's not the 17th? 16th. Yeah, Saturday the You don't come up here and do the announcements, Scott? <laughs> I'm sorry. The, uh, so, so it is this, the 16th. So uh, I, we apologize. So I'm glad Connie was paying attention. So, But it will be Saturday the 16th at 7 o'clock. So uh, join us for that and uh, be a traditional candlelight service we've done. So short there. Then collective, our collective group for our young adults uh, are on schedule for this coming Tuesday at uh, Sam and mine's house. So uh, we'll start that at 6.30 as we do. So look forward to seeing everybody again on, on uh, Tuesday. And then, of course, Wednesday nights we'll continue on as we're doing on our uh, series through Hebrews. Uh, a couple of the late announcements we want to identify one through much prayer michelle as you know michelle came to myself about two years ago roughly and just had a heart to want to minister to the homeless here in greenville we have a large uh, population of homeless to say the least sadly and michelle has stepped up and has faithfully served these group of folks that it started off just once a week and then it grew as many of y'all supported her in the ministry to uh, being a blessing to them weekly every sunday uh, it has kind of changed course, so what we're going to do, we're going to finish out the next three weeks as the schedule Michelle has, but she is going to cut that back to once a month. So if you've been involved with Feed My Sheep, you want to continue to be involved with the Feed My Sheep ministry, uh, get with Michelle, she'll give you details, but we want to get back to a more personal outreach setting. And it kind of feels that it's kind of turned in every week is, these are my verbiage, kind of a fast food approach to it. So we want to slow it down. They're going to do it on the second Tuesday of each month. Uh, they'll still be on Sunday after service, but be once a month, and we'll be able to be specific for them and minister to them. So uh, I think that's everything. I believe we get everything offered. 
And uh, so if we could have our men come forward and we'll pray over our service this morning. Father, we come before you this morning. Um, thank you for the nice weather, the sunshine, um, for the weather this week. Um, Lord, we pray that you would bless everyone here, uh, bless all those who are out. Um, we proclaim the blood of Christ over everyone right now who is sick, and we proclaim healing over bodies, hearts, and minds. Um, Lord, please bless this offering. Please bless all those who give. Uh, that this would go to build your kingdom. We ask that you would anoint Todd, um, anoint the words out of his mouth, anoint this message, Holy Spirit, and be on him in your name.
song just prior to this we sang about the overwhelming love of God the power of God this world we live in it's so easy to become overwhelmed schedules deadlines challenges that life presents at times it can just seem to be overwhelming causes us to become about doubt fears anxiety what comes with it the song was accurate. We got to keep in mind how overwhelming God is. And no matter what we face, no matter where we find ourselves, the overwhelming power of God's love and his control, that he's sovereign, that there's nothing we're facing, nothing we deal with, that he's not in control of and has provisions and guidance and the power of his word for us to endure and persevere through it so let's just use this morning come to the altar altar and and just uh, acknowledge this overwhelming power god has in our lives that we can depend upon and we can trust in for all our needs
just you very gentlemen let nothing you dismay remember christ our savior was born on christmas day to save us all from satan's power when we were gone astray oh tidings of comfort and joy comfort and joy oh tidings of comfort and joy he has come for us this jesus he's the hope for all mankind he has come for us the messiah born to give us life god our heavenly father a blessed angel came and unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same now that in bethlehem was born the son of god by name oh tidings of comfort and joy comfort and joy oh tidings of comfort and joy he has come for us this jesus he's the hope for all mankind he has come for us the messiah born to give us life all the angels sing in Philippians chapter 3, we're going to talk about finish what you started. It, uh, it's an old story about a young boy. He's trying to strike up conversation. He saw his pastor in the lobby. So he said, Pastor, what are you talking about this morning? He said, we're talking about finishing strong. Finish what you started. He goes, oh, okay. And they happened to be standing in front of a wall that had military men and women on the wall, Brother Lloyd. And the pastor used that as an illustration. He said, matter of fact, 
looking at these men and women, they all finished what they started and haven't all died in service. The boy got wide-eyed. He goes, was that the 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock service? <laughs> he didn't, <laughs> he wanted to pick which one to make sure he went into the right one. So uh, anyway, we are. We're going to talk about finish what we started. And I know I, I was looking through uh, putting it together. I came across some notes. Uh, it was about seven months ago. And we talked about a similar subject about uh, finishing strong. And uh, in some ways, there's a parallel, but what we're going to look at today are some prerequisites or some requirements. If we plan on finishing what we started in God, we're going to need to have these in our arsenal and be prepared. Uh, I want to start off by looking at uh, Zechariah. Now, Zechariah's name means uh, Jehovah remembers, and he was a prophet to the post-Jewish Israelites in, in Jerusalem. And uh, it, it took place about 16 years uh, after their captivity ended, around 536 B.C., when it started under Nebuchadnezzar. So Zechariah was called upon by God to warn Zerubbabel, who was the king and the Jewish people, to finish the temple, to finish what they originally started building. Now, you got to understand, the temples back in that time, these were fortresses. And it, the, the walls had been destroyed, not, hadn't been finished, but he said, we need to get back. We need to finish building the walls and get the walls up. Because without the walls, they were vulnerable to, you know, to attack. So Zechariah knew the importance of finishing what God had called them to do in the first place. And so when we look at Zechariah's ministry, we see the importance of finishing what she started. And that starts, in our case, with our salvation. We're not finished with our salvation. Our life, our spiritual life, actually, eternity starts the day of your salvation. Oh, what do you mean? No, eternity starts at the rapture or I pass on to heaven. No, our eternity started the day you accepted Christ. It's just some of it is in this temporal realm until we get to our eternal home. But we're still in eternity. If you would have died a minute after your salvation a day, a week, month, or year, or any time during this time as we're speaking now, you were still name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Your eternity has already started. And so we need to understand why it's important to finish what we started. So let's pray, and we'll get started here. And uh, not much to it, but we'll get to some good points here. Father, thank you for this morning, an opportunity just to gather. Father, we lift up everybody that is hurting, physically sick, just ask that you comfort them, strengthen them, Lord, those that couldn't make it. Just ask uh, for your protection upon them. But uh, let this message be to your glory. Ask that you anoint every word that's spoken. Prepare our hearts for your truth. In Christ's name, amen. If you would, stand with me. Let's read from Philippians chapter 3. And I want to read verses 13 and 14. And, uh, and see what Paul says here. We're going to rely heavily on Paul this morning. When it comes to the word of God. So if you would read aloud with me please. It says brethren. I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do. Forgetting the things which are behind. And reaching forth unto these things which are before. I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of our God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you. So Paul puts this into perspective. We're talking about finish what we started. One thing that we struggle with is, is looking back. We, we can so easily get stuck in our 
what could have been or what happened or what's going on now or I wouldn't be in this situation if not for. Now, Paul says, look, if you're going to finish what you started, you've got to continue to keep your eyes on the prize because that's our, where our focus and our goal needs to be. Now, we can learn how important this is that Christ himself, in a sense, illustrated this when he hung on the cross. And we know in John chapter 19, I think it's verse 30 or something like that, the last words that Christ uttered was the, you know, the Aramaic tense that uh, Christ spoke at the time mixture of Greek and Hebrew, but he spoke the word tetelestai. And in translation, is where we get the word, it is finished. Christ himself says, I have finished what I started. I finished what the Father has called me to do. So we need to embody those words. We want to get to the point that when we stand before our Lord and Savior, that we hear those words that we long for, long for well done, thy good and faithful servant. It's like, oh, man, that's going to be so hard. How, how can I achieve that? It, while it's hard, it's not hard. The key to hearing those words from our Lord and Savior is simply finish what the Lord started in you. Just finish it. God doesn't say you got to try to be a pastor. you got to try to accomplish this. you got to do that. No, finish what you started in Christ. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for those that are willing and able to finish what he started in them. To finish strong, one must be able to learn and to count. Learn and count. It's that simple. And if we learn to do that, and we'll get to that to a moment, it'll make more sense. So the easiest thing to do is to start something, is it not? I get uh, quite often, I get phone calls or texts or even in person. Hey, Todd, I, can I talk to you? Yeah, I, I got a great idea. I got a great ministry. I, you know, why don't we do so-and-so? And that's true. It sounds great on the surface. It's like, all right, how are you going to do that? Oh, well, no, I think we ought to do it. I, I don't want to do it, you know, but I think we ought to do it. <laughs> and it's... And it's the easiest thing to do is come up with an idea. Everybody's got ideas. I mean, everybody's got opinions from how to run the country to how to run, you know, your department at work, how to handle finance. Everybody's got an opinion. And it's just like diets. The easiest thing to do is to start a diet, is it not? We're about to get into that here in a few weeks when the first of the year starts. But it's easy to start diets. It's easy to start secondary education. We all probably have endless projects that we're so far into or almost to the end and we don't know where to pick back up so it's easy to start it's hard to finish listen to what solomon said in ecclesiastes in chapter 7 verse 8 the first part of the verse he says better is the end of a thing than what beginning now if you take that in context to who's writing this passage through the Holy Spirit, it's Solomon who's writing the book from Ecclesiastes, which is a book of regret. Solomon, blessed by God with wisdom and wealth to lead the nation of Israel, and he started off great, started off with everything he needed, and then he ends up sacrificing his own children to pagan gods because of the, uh, what, thousand wives and concubines he had. The very wisdom that he started well with, now he's sacrificing his children, Solomon, to a pagan gods. 
And so now he's written the book of Ecclesiastes around the end of his life, around 60 years old. He says, let me tell you, the end of a thing is a lot better than the beginning. Who has a beginning that you're glad you're not there and you're looking forward to a better end? We all do. We all can look back, even though we read that Paul says you've got to stay looking forward. But when we do look back, there is a measure of saying, thank God I'm not there anymore. I may not be where I want to be yet, but at least I'm not here. And here's the beauty of God. God doesn't take us depending on where we get to. Well, when you get here, then I'm there. No, God takes us when? Where we're at. That's the beauty of it. We need to be able to rejoice in that. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning. It's not how you start off life, as they say. It's how you finish life that we're told that. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 19, 29 and 30. And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father, mother, wife, children, lands, for my namesake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. And look at this, verse 30. But many that are what? Shall be what? Ah, shall be last. Jesus turned the world upside down with these values, these principles when he shared them. Meaning, don't forfeit eternal rewards for temporal benefits. Don't get overexcited trying to be first here. Doesn't matter if you win Super Bowls, World Series, get promotions, get this, get that. It doesn't matter what you're accomplishing here in comparison to what God has for us in eternity. It doesn't compare. So we're going to illustrate, we're going to look at how do we finish strong. And we'll be through this morning. I'm going to start off with another verse, 2 Timothy 4.10. We can look, it says, uh, through Timothy, but many that have, that, or excuse me, yes, 4.10, there we go, thank you. For Demas, this was the disciple of Paul, Demas hath forsaken me, having what? Ah, love, there it is. Love this present world and departed unto Thessalonica, and on to Galatia, Turkey. So here was Paul's protege, Demas. We don't know. The only thing we know that Paul said he loved the present world more than what God had for him. He didn't finish what he started. We don't know what happened to Demas. Doesn't mean he lost his salvation, but Demas walked back into the world. Whatever he was working out in his ministry with and under Paul and through his discipleship, he got to a point that he couldn't let go of the world. He stretched so far between the world and ministry that he let go of ministry and Paul's discipleship and held on to the world. Meaning what? He lost his patience. Somewhere along the way, Demas lost his patience. In Ecclesiastes, back in there, chapter 7 and verse 8, it says, the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. To get to the end, you've got to be patient to get to the end. The world we live in today is that microwave society. We want to hurry up and accomplish things. I'm bad about that. I am the least patient person there is. It is a bad character flaw, the many that I have. Man, I, I, I get an idea, a thought, want to do, I, I, I want to get it done. And I'll be so hyper-focused that I can do nothing else until that task is done. And, and it's frustrating to Sam. 
I can imagine. But if we're going to finish our, this race, if we're going to live in the will that God has for us, we've got to learn to be patient. But patient isn't the ability to wait. But it is the ability to wait with Christ-like attitude in the process. This is spiritual patience. We have plans. We have ideas. We have thoughts. We have desires. It doesn't mean they're bad in and of themselves. But are we willing to wait with a Christ-like character patiently in God's will? That's what it comes down to. And two, perseverance. Demas, obviously, to some degree, wasn't able to persevere through this love he had for the world. It goes on to say in verse 10 of Ecclesiastes, Say not thou what is the cause of the former days were better than these. Remember that song that Bruce Springsteen had that's so popular, Glory Days? Talks about he runs into his old high school buddy at the local bar, and his buddy sits down, and he tries to, and he starts talking about the old days this great athlete in high school, and here he was, he was still stuck in the glory days. Solomon says, no, what good? It's foolishness to talk about the glory days, the former days. Because God, again, takes us where we are with a plan to get us where he wants to be. That's why Paul said in Philippians, focus not on the past. Stay focused and focus on the calling of Christ in our lives. So here are two things I'm going to point out. The second one is, is, is four sub-points, but they're short. But number one, if we're going to finish our race, we've got to embody these traits. One, we have to learn from the mistakes and past failures of others. We have to be willing to learn from the past mistakes and the failures of others. Let's go back to Zechariah chapter 1. Look what it says in verses 4 through 6. Be you not as your fathers, unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn you now from your evil ways and from your evil doings. But they did not hear, nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord. Your fathers, where, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not take hold of your fathers? And they returned and said, As the Lord of hosts through, uh, thought to do unto us according to our ways and according to our doings, so hath he dealt with us. Point being, Zechariah verse 4 says, It's always easier to learn from someone else's mistake. Be not as your fathers compared to your own. It's painful when we have to learn hard mistakes setbacks in life bad decisions that cost us in a myriad of ways but we don't have to this whole book is an opportunity for us to learn what not to do matter of fact that's why christ talks more about hell than heaven he's trying to warn us about what not to do and we got example after example after example he sent prophets in the old testament they even tried to kill we're told his own prophets that came to give them wisdom and direction and insight. Be not as your fathers. If we will not hear his word, we cannot know what he envisions for us. And thus we end up doing what we've always done, and thus we always end up getting what we always what? Got or get. 
It's that spiritual insanity, doing the same thing, expecting different results. And yet we find ourselves ending up in the same place. So number one, we have to learn from past failures, our own, but we need to be wise and look around those around us. We don't want people to make bad decisions for our gain. But when we see bad decisions made, we need to be quick to understand where those bad decisions were and don't, don't mimic them. Number two, here's the big one. We got to be able to count the cost. Or better said, maybe I should have said, we got to be willing to pay the price. Because there's a cost, there's a price in finishing your race. Luke 14, 28 through 30 says, For which of you intending to build a tower or live his life, sitteth not down first and count the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it look to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Those are tough words. They come from the 24th parable in Christ's, you know, parables of teaching to us. And it's a lesson towards the saved, directly towards the saved. Those that have already accepted Christ, and now they're going to accept Christ, and now they're going to sit down, and they've got to look at the life that Christ has called them to, what we're called to be as believers. Are we prepared to pay the price? So what is that price? I think there's four things that we need to be prepared for, and we need to make a spiritual decision. And it's an individual decision. You can't make it for someone else. You can't make it for your spouse, for friends, for your, you know, your loved ones. You've got to make these decisions individually. Number one, or A, one, we've got to understand it's not a one-time expense. It requires a daily surrender. It's not a one-time expense. It requires a daily surrender. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then what are those last three words? I die daily. So if we have any intentions, if we have any hopes, if we want to finish out this call that God has on our lives, which if you accepted Christ as your Savior, God has a call and a purpose on your life. He has will that he wants to work through you, through the gifts and talents he's given, it, given, uh, given each of us. The person who's practiced the art of dying, i.e., I die daily, before dying will learn to live well. He who reminds himself daily that the earth is not his home will learn to hold loosely to all that this world has to offer. That's what Demas couldn't do. Demas got to a point that he cannot die to himself daily. That all of a sudden what this world offered started measuring up or carrying more value to him than what God had to offer him. It comes about when we fail to die daily. How do we, do, how do we die daily? One, it goes through our prayer life. It goes through our devotional life. It goes through using our gifts. It goes through servitude, which we'll get into. It's these things that we do that we use to glorify God in and through our lives. It's daily choosing to make it not solely about us, but make it around those around us that God brings into our lives. It's a daily choice. 
Max Licato said this in his devotional. Quote, it says, Unhappiness on earth cultivates a hunger for heaven. By gracing us with his deep dissatisfaction, God holds our attention. The only tragedy then is to be satisfied prematurely, to settle for earth, to be content in a strange land. We are not happy because we're not at home here. We are not happy because we are not supposed to be happy here. We are like foreigners and strangers in this world. But yet how many people live with great effort, great exercise to try to make heaven on earth? If I can accomplish this, if I can have that, if I can get this built, if I can do that. And we strive to build comfort on this earth when we'll never amass and build enough comfort that will bring us the happiness that God has for us. Oh, we can find temporal happiness. We can find temporal joy, worldly joy, but that's not going to sustain us. We've got to be willing and able to die daily. For one to finish what they started requires one to remember why and who they started in to begin with. When we accepted, when we got to hear the gospel, and we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, yes, at the pretext of that, it's only understanding, yeah, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. And we understand that the simplicity of the gospel and the work of Christ, that we can have that promise of eternal life in heaven through Christ, and we accept that gift, we get our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but what then? We've spoken many times, how many believers stay at the foot of the cross? They never grow in the grace of God. They really never wanted what God wanted for them. They just didn't want what hell offered them. It's short-selling the goodness of God in our lives. We've got to remember what we started in and why we started it. Keep being discipled. And we'll maintain our, our discipline. Discipline is important because it's the bridge between our goals and our accomplishments. Again, we all have ideas. We all have plans. We all have wishes. But what we accomplished, what gets us there is discipline. Are we willing to endure the, 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 you know, the, the, the college and the, and the things that are going for a particular trade we want to do? You know, I'll illustrate Amanda getting to know her. I mean, when she decided she wanted to go back to nursing school with two children that are active in school. I remember thinking, wow, that's, <laughs> that's an arduous task. Knowing just what her schedule is like with those two boys. And yet, that perseverance... And many of y'all have done the same thing. But that discipline is important to get to the end that God has for us. And how do we have that discipline? we got to make sure we remain being discipled. Because when we stop being discipled, being fed into, being you know, you know, spiritually led by someone that, that, that's pouring into us, we'll lose that discipline, and thus we'll lose our ability to finish the task. So one... It's not a one-time expense. It's a daily investment. Two, it requires a willingness to be transformed. Notice what Paul said again in Romans 12, 2. Be you not conformed to this world. Demas couldn't do that. He was stuck in the transformation of the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, accept, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. 
be ye transformed. Meaning don't take on the behavior of this world. It requires more than avoidance. It's not trying to live just avoiding things. It's living in a way that your mind and your spirit and your heart is transformed to that of Christ. It's the embodiment of all that Jesus' indwelling brings us. It's the transforming of our mind so we think like Christ. It's the transformation of our heart so we feel with compassion like Christ. It's the transformation of our will so we act and respond like Christ acts. That transformation deals with our mind, our heart and will, the very image that we are made of the triune Godhead. When God says, I created man in our image, that image is a mind and a heart and a will that is laid out all through the Scriptures. This is what we and how we must be transformed. If not, then we learn or we fail to learn the attributes of Christ. Now our mind thinks worldly sometimes, the less transformed we are. Our heart isn't compassionate and doesn't feel for others around us when we're not transformed. Our will ends up being self-serving instead of serving others when we're not transformed. Number three, when we think about the cost required, it requires a willingness to serve. Paul tells us again in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself a servant unto all that I might gain the more. Have you ever thought about getting ahead in this world by giving up more and becoming a servant? Not the task we're usually given by professional advice on how to get ahead. Everybody wants to get in positions where they have people serving them. So they can get done what they want done. Paul says, though I'm free, I have all the freedom I have in Christ, but I'm going to make myself a servant that by being a servant, I will obtain more in and through Christ. Jesus himself said he came not to be served, but to serve. So when commanded to when Paul stated in Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, how can we embody the mind of Christ if we, if we refuse to be a servant as Christ served? We can't do it. It's hard for us to justify elevating our wants above others' needs when Jesus was willing to go to the cross for our needs. The servant of servants, willing to step out of heaven a spirit for and came down to be part of his own creation to take on the form of man for one reason one reason only to get to a cross to serve our need not his need Christ didn't need eternal life we needed eternal life and Christ made himself as low as he could to the point that he was washing the feet of his own disciples his servitude was to the lowest physical and spiritual and human nature he could take all to serve us. And so if we're going to be transformed and have the mind that's in Christ, then we're forced and we must take on the attitude and the embodiment of servitude. Servitude is directed by our attitude. Always. Meaning what? Meaning we can choose our attitude. No matter what happens to you, you and I, can choose, and we have full control of our attitude. 
in the same way we can choose to serve or we can choose to be served. That's our choice. Nobody makes that decision for us but ourselves. It's just like our attitude. And number four, it requires an ability to face persecution. It takes the ability to face persecution. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, 12, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer. Shall suffer. Well, I want to live for Christ. I want to finish my race. I want to be what God wants me to be and what he wants to do with me. Then you must suffer. This is where so many believers fall to the wayside. They don't finish their race. We're not talking about losing your salvation. We're talking about a parable directed towards those that are already saved. Once your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, it can't be removed. Once saved, always saved. But if you want to finish the race God has, if you want to stand before your Savior and hear the words, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Notice the word that Jesus put on there. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. then we have to endure persecution. Paul told young Timothy, his, his disciple in Ephesus, that people who obey God and live for Christ will be persecuted. Thus, we shouldn't be surprised when people misunderstand us, criticize us, attack us, belittle us, mock us, because we believe what we believe and we live how we live. That's why the gospel isn't preached as much. That's why the cause for Christ isn't permeating through our culture today. Why? Because when people speak about Christ, they get attacked. Not like out of the country attacked, but even in America attacked. And we get ridiculed, and we get mocked, and we get slandered, and everybody just shuts up. Why? Well, nobody wants to put up with that. Yours truly. Nobody likes being persecuted, belittled, mocked. To have dear friends in the world that you go out and, and you just share your heart about Christ and you got friends that start questioning you or, or, or losing friendships. Well, I don't want to lose my friendship, so I'm going to quit talking about God and Jesus around them. That's what our culture does. It's still saying, this is who I love. This is who I serve. I can't believe you fall for that mind trap. Think what you will. But I'm looking more to the words of my father saying, well, do it, well, <laughs> well done, that good and faithful servant, than hearing an old friend say, I like you, or I don't like you anymore because of your beliefs. Don't be surprised that you fall underneath a little persecution or attack. Jesus warned him, his disciples that they'd face persecution because of him in John 15, 18. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Rest assured, when you get mocked by family members or friends or anybody, they're not, you're not that important. They don't hate you personally. They hate Christ. You're just the one standing in front of them, so they take it out on you and me. Christ is who they really hate. Christ is the one that really makes them uncomfortable. We're just the source for them to vent that to. Christ says they hate because they first hated me. So here's our question today, and we'll be through. 
Are you willing to finish what you started in Christ? That's what we got to answer because that's not natural. It's not natural to die daily. Because we get tired of being stepped on and kicked around. So everybody wants to stand up and fight. So it's not natural to die daily. It's not natural to be transformed because we want to be the way we want to be. We want to cultivate our own personality, our own habits. We're not really open to transformation. It's not natural to be a willing servant. The servants get a taken or get taken advantage of. They get passed by. They get overlooked. And it's not natural to want to face persecution. It's natural to avoid persecution. But yet it's these four things that scriptures tell us clearly. If we plan to finish our race to hear those words, well done, that good and faithful servant, we have to be able to do these regularly, daily. Here's the last thought for you. It comes down to attitude versus aptitude. Now, when we say attitude, we talk about it's a disposition, it's a feeling, it's a position regarding a person or a thing. It's a particular task or thought to perceive versus aptitude. Aptitude is a capability, a talent innate or acquired to perform and complete a particular task to completion. So now why this question is profound is the fact that Christ isn't really looking for attitudes. Matter of fact, a lot of times, and most of the time Scripture, God doesn't care how you feel or what you think about a thing. When there's over 600 commandments, and there are in the Scriptures, those are commandments. God didn't write those on a survey. How about this one? You like this one? Try this one. No, commandments are commandments. Tithing. God doesn't care how we feel about tithing. And it goes on and on and on. But what God does care about is our aptitude. Do we have the ability? Do we have the, the gumption? Do we have the fight? Do we have the will to complete the task that God's put before us? He didn't find it in Demas. He found it in Paul, without a doubt. He found it in Zechariah. He found it in Jeremiah. We can go on and on where God did find the right aptitude. But we're talking about today. We're talking about you and me. Is God finding that aptitude in us? Are we willing to deal with this life with the mindset and an aptitude to finish what we started in Christ? So we can hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you know him, author, writer, during the Nazi regime during World War II, he wrote this. When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. When Christ calls a man, he calls him to come and die. That's what we have to do if we want to have the right aptitude. So the question is not believing in Jesus. This is all talking to say folks. It's not about believing in Jesus. It's about finishing what Jesus started in us through the cross. That's what it's about. 
And it takes hard sacrifices. We got to be willing to die. We got to be willing to be transformed. We got to be willing to be a servant. And we got to be prepared and willing to endure persecution. If we want to stay in a race and finish the race and stay focused on the prize. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for this morning. We, again, pray for those that are out, that are sick. Just ask for healing upon them. Father, we we just come to you this morning humbly seeking and hearing your word. And it's a a meaty message, so to speak, that uh, we do. We long, we will want to long to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. But, Father, that's not a natural process to our flesh to get there this world we live in the distractions it has and the fights that have to be endured spiritually and you know, we fight not against flesh and blood, but the powers of darkness about us these are tough choices we got to make every day to ourselves allow ourselves to be transformed in our mind heart and will learn to make it around those about those around us and not ourselves and to endure a little persecution along the way. It all has to do with our aptitude. There's a lot of ability, but not a lot of aptitude. So, Father, we thank you for these words that challenge us, and that we take it to heart and, and be able to answer that question individually between us and you, that we're here to fight and to finish what you started in us. As the music plays, altars open. Good time to come and to address one of these issues that maybe is a stumbling block. Maybe we're behind on our transformation from the time of our salvation. Maybe we're not quite where God wants us to be at this point. still playing I'd love to pray with you
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this great message we heard today. Lord, I ask that you be with each and every one of us, Lord, and help each and every one of us finish the race that we started. Lord, again, I ask that you be with those who are unable to be here today, Lord. Touch them in a healing way, Lord, and get them back here as soon as you can. Lord, I ask that uh, you be with us now as we leave this place. Lord, I ask you to put your protection around each and every one of us, Lord, and protect us from those who want us to do us harm. Yes, it's in Jesus' holy and precious name. And all of God's people said, Amen.